Good morning. Welcome again to the online worship service at South Suburban Christian Church. As many of you know, my name is Pastor Ike. This is Pastor Joe, uh, one of our other pastors here. And uh, every couple of weeks, or I guess it's a couple of months, uh, we like to come to you together and, and have a conversation and talk about uh, the faith. And so we're going to do that today. Um, so we would encourage you to get your Bible if you have it. Uh, we're going to be looking at uh, Matthew chapter 25, uh, beginning in verse 1. So if you have your Bibles, Matthew 25, verse 1. Pastor Joe? Yep, I'll take it from there. Um, again, Matthew 25, starting with the first verse. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins or bridesmaids who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they, they, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Well, this is the uh, only parable that we're looking at in this series, The Stories of Jesus. All of the other messages that we have had and will have uh, as we continue and conclude this series in just a few weeks have been about instances in Jesus' life, his interactions with people or, or events that happened with him. Uh, but, you know, anybody that has spent any time in the New Testament knows that one of the most significant ways that Jesus teaches is through parables. Um, and, and parables, uh, if you're joining us for the first time or don't have a lot of uh, uh, familiarity with us, are, are just simply stories that have a deeper meaning. Um, lots of folks uh, ask, why did Jesus teach in parables? And uh, there's a couple of answers to that, I think. One of the reasons is, is that we resonate with stories. Stories are what speak to us. They speak to not only our minds, but also to our hearts. And uh, uh, so it's a way to remember things. It's not unlike when you're with your friends or you meet somebody. Uh, you tell stories, where you're from, what you do, what your family's like, uh, where you went to school, what your favorite football or uh, a baseball team is. An another reason that Jesus tells parables, and Jesus himself actually uh, says that this is one of the reasons, is that uh, when, when, when he told a parable about the seed that falls on different kinds of grounds, uh, rocky ground, grounds that have been choked by weeds, or good ground, and the disciples are listening to that parable, and, and they don't understand the parable. They don't understand the meaning, and so they ask him why he uh, taught that way and what did the parable mean. And Jesus says, well, one of the reasons I teach this way is so that those that... Uh, can hear will hear and those that cannot hear won't and, and that in of itself raises a tremendous study on why would Jesus do that we'll save that for another message this particular parable really finds itself in, in a in a place bigger than just verses 1 through 13 
If you go back to the preceding chapter, uh, in Matthew chapter 24, uh, Jesus begins at chapter 24 talking about the destruction of the temple, uh, the desolation that's going to occur with the temple. So we have what we call this, this apocalyptic prophecy or this, this great revelation, this uncovering, this day of reckoning that's coming uh, uh, as a result of the ministry of Jesus. In verse 29 of chapter 24, Jesus begins to discuss uh, what it means when the Son of Man will come. And to, to many of us, as, as we hear this, uh, when we think about the Son of Man, if we're familiar with the Scriptures, we know that, that Jesus uses that term to describe himself a lot, particularly in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew uses the Son of Man a lot, and Matthew uses the, the phrase Kingdom of Heaven a lot. And the Son of Man was actually a government term or, or a royal term. It is one of the titles that uh, the Caesar would have described himself as. And so when Jesus uses this, this term, Son of Man, he's claiming uh, true authority, authority that is over uh, the authority that any temporal leader might have. We might use the term a prime minister or president in, in our own uh, culture and, and Western democracy. And so uh, when Jesus uh, introduces this section of teaching uh, in chapter 24, verse 29, about, so here's what it's going to look like when the Son of Man, when the true ruler, when, when the one who has true authority himself comes again. In verse 36, he begins talking about how we won't know the, the time when that happens. Of course, lots of people sell lots of books telling us when these things will happen. Jesus clearly says, no one knows. There are signs, but no one knows uh, the day or, or the time in which he will come. And then in chapter 25, he begins to pivot in this teaching. And he tells two parables. The first parable in verses 1 through 13, which is about the ten virgins. And then the next parable, uh, which begins in verse 14 through uh, verse 30, where he talks about the parable of the talents. And then in verse 31, he brings the whole thing home. He hits the home run. He talks about the final judgment, what the final judgment will be. Uh, if you look at verse 1 of chapter 25, which began our reading today, you have that phrase that I said was uh, fairly popular in the gospel, specifically in Matthew, the kingdom of heaven. Lots of folks have studied this, and, and by and large, the kingdom of heaven is certainly not, not only a place that one might go, which is typically how we hear the term heaven, but more specifically, it's about the authority of heaven. Uh, in other of the Gospels, it would be the kingdom of God. Because Matthew is writing to Jews, uh, it was a common Jewish device to, instead of referencing the name of God, to reference the realm of God, which would be heaven. It was viewed as respectful. And so this kingdom of heaven is coming, which for Matthew is not just uh, a place that we go that will suddenly be here, but it's about the authority and the influence, the presence, the might, the power of God is coming to be in our midst. And, and so that's some background as we look at this text. So I hope that as Pastor Joe and I share and talk about this today, that you'll take some time this afternoon and go back and read all of this in its context, and you'll see the richness of what Jesus is trying to, to convey in this discourse, this sermon, this teaching about what it means to look forward to the coming uh, of the kingdom of heaven. This is a powerful story, and, and one that we have wrestled with yes. 
Um, this, for folks who, who have been kind of following this series, this is the last week of Jesus' life. This is like Tuesday or Wednesday before he goes to the cross on Good Friday. So this is, this is near the end. And Jesus is, is, is ramping up what he's telling us. And I think the folks are trying to pay attention. The disciples are trying to pay attention. Um, but this is, as you shared, this is a parable. This is a story that Jesus shared. It's about, uh, about a wedding. And um, you and I have experienced some, some experience with going through a wedding. Uh, and uh, you're, you're the wedding preacher, right? I, I, no, no, I am the funeral guy. You're the wedding guy. Okay, um, I just wanted to get that straight. Yeah, we, we, we told Christine, our new com- communications person, that uh, I am the funeral guy, you're the wedding guy. So, okay. Um, don't get those confused. But, uh, well, but, I, I was going to say that, but I was afraid the, people the, wouldn't think that was the, funny. This, 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 is, this is a wedding story, okay. uh, at, least, at least initially from the top. And, and you know, my wedding story, I... Um, well, you have a wedding story. I have a wedding story. Right. Well, it even goes back to that. It goes to the engagement story. The, okay. the night I asked my, my beautiful bride uh, to marry me, Cindy, uh, I broke my foot. Um, <laughs> and then uh, that was uh, Thanksgiving Eve that happened. And then uh, on... We got married in June of the following year, and the uh, two days before I got married, I broke my ankle. And, and when the guys were putting a cast on my ankle, they said, you know, maybe God's telling you something. And, and I thought, well, maybe that's true. But years later, I realized that God was not telling me something. God was warning my wife what this road was going to be like. So, I don't know about you. Do you have any stories you'd like to share, wedding stories? Well, uh, you know, uh, your wife uh, didn't know she was marrying a pastor. That's right. I, I changed midstream. I was an engineer for a bunch of years, and then she thought she was going to marry an engineer. Yes, yes, yes. And yes, uh, yes. Th- there's a whole level of. Well, go ahead. Kit, just on that story, uh-huh. you know, when I first told my wife, um, Cindy, what would you think if I became a pastor? She said, "You can go ahead and be a pastor, but I ain't going to be a pastor's wife." Oh. <laughs> so I took that as okay. Okay, I'll just be an engineer. Um, but she came around. And How'd that work out for her? Well, well, <laughs> well I, you know, I think it was God's calling. I really believe it was God's calling, and 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 God changed her heart and she said how about putting that application in for seminary so that's good that's a good story that, that is that's my close. wife on the other hand knew she was marrying a pastor yeah well that and that was Shauna's bad that was her bad yeah she 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 knew what she was getting into and uh, of course you know I, I'm sure lots of folks who are with us this this morning or whenever they're watching probably have heard this a million times that you know when when my wife first met me she thought I was a jerk there, there's not a bone in your body that can understand that right I, that's another story. We'll, oh, okay. we'll share that later. Well, um, you know, after uh, uh, a, uh, a rather uh, persuasive courtship on my part, I convinced her uh, that uh, she would do well if she married me. And I remember one conversation that we were having about what it would like to be married. And I said, you know, I, I can't promise you uh, big houses. I can't promise you cars. I can't promise you a life of ease. All I can promise you is, is that more than likely we'll have a roof over our head and and most likely we'll have something to eat <laughs> if nothing more a casserole and some fried chicken from the church oh my gosh. and uh but you know she attended the church that i was serving at the time uh, uh she, she she wasn't there when i became the pastor but she when we started uh, dating she uh she started attending and so she got a a good piece of uh, of time to kind of look about how things go and what things happen and, and I, I think that uh, for her, one of the most poignant stories that, that she shared with me is on the day of our wedding. Uh, the church in which we were married 
you know, had this long aisle through the sanctuary, went through another hallway, and then out into the gym. And so all the brides in that church always gathered in the gymnasium to prepare to, to make that, uh, you know, march uh, through the hallway and down the aisle of the church. Beautiful, beautiful time and beautiful day. And Shauna said that she remembers standing in the gym uh, in her wedding dress and offering a prayer. Okay, God, I guess, uh, I guess this is it. I am giving my life to you. Surrender. Surrender. Wow. And, and, and it's one of the things that I fell in love with her is, is that I knew she loved Jesus more than she loved me. And <laughs> I've told her that all the time. And uh, I'm, the, I'm the moron that says that when people say, what do you like best about your wife? What I love most about my wife is her faith. Yes. And that she loved Jesus more than she loved me. And because of that, uh, I knew that our marriage would be one filled with joy and, and, and grace and mercy and forgiveness. And, and, uh, but uh, in many ways, she shares with people privately. She doesn't do it publicly. Well, I guess it's being shared publicly now, though, isn't it? Hey, well, it, we can always edit some of this stuff can, out. So. Yeah, Brother James can take yes, care of that. Yes. Is, is that she not only married me, she married the ministry. She yes. married church. Yes. And uh, it's, it's a public role to, it's be, a public a, to role. be a wife or a spouse of a pastor, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, can we talk a little bit about, well, can I ask one question? Sure. Um, part of this story is about getting ready. Mm-hmm. If Jesus, Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus, was coming over to the house today, your house or my house, um, what would we do to get ready? Um, for, for me, you know, would I cut the lawn? Would I pick up all the cottonwood branches the stupid squirrels are biting off and send them down in my yard? Would I, would I paint that trim up, up near the roof that needs painting? What, what would we do if Jesus was going to come to our house? Your house first, my house second. What would we do to get ready? Um, That's a great question. Uh, I'm not really good at getting a house ready for guests, and I don't know if I... <laughs> my, thankfully, but, remember I talked about that wife earlier? My, yes, my yes, wife yes, would yes. tell me what I need to do to get ready. Yes, here's the, here's the ten things you need but to do. But there are some things that I, I think I would be get thinking in my mind. You know, you know do we have enough uh, iced tea or, or beverage? Do we... You know, are all the pillows appropriately fluffed, and right, right. is the rug vacuumed, and right, and and, and yeah, you you when, when any guests come over, yes, you want to be ready, right, right. But, but would we focus on the right things? Would I would I worry about the upstairs bathroom that if you no. don't flush it right, <laughs> um, it it runs? And would I tell Jesus you can't use that bathroom? Use use the one on the main floor, mm-hmm. or would I tell him? Hey, if you use that, you just got to jiggle the handle and it stops running afterwards. Would, would, I, be care, would I care about that? I, and I, if I'm honest, I probably would care about that. I would. I, I, I would lock that door. I would not let Jesus use that bathroom. No. I, I remember years ago we were having an open house in one of the parsonages I was living in. And an open house, when church members come to your house, and I remember some ladies were walking upstairs, and I said, no, 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 you can't go upstairs. <laughs> yes. I was single back then, though, is the problem. <laughs> oh, I, I can relate to those days. Well, my life got a lot cleaner when I got married 33 Amen. years ago. Um, yeah, you know, if Jesus was coming, Jesus, the Son of God, the one who died for yours and my sins, the one who, who went to the cross despite us being knuckleheads and still sinning, the one who said to his followers, the, the, the only, you, you want to come? You want to come follow me? You got to take up your cross. The, the one who did the miracles, the one who changed water into wine, the one who healed the 10 lepers, the one who fed the 5,000. If that guy, if that Jesus was coming to our house, the, the one who said, you, you want to follow me? Um, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I mean, there's the past. If that Jesus was coming, how would we get ready? What would we do to get ready? 
Um, I think that's what this story, for, mm-hmm. for, for me, is all about, is, is, is getting ready. I think that's why Jesus used this story. And he used the story of the wedding, something that those guys could relate to. Uh, and they have these ten bridesmaids or ten virgins. Five are foolish, the text says. Five are wise. The, the foolish ones only bring enough in their lamp to, to, to light, I guess, for a short t- time. The others, the five wise um, bridesmaids, bring enough for, for later on. Um, the bridegroom is, is late in coming. Um, and, and if I understand the weddings back in those days, it wasn't just a, a one-day affair. It was mm. five to seven days long. And, um, and, they, and the, the bride would be um, supported, encouraged um, by these bridesmaids. Um, but they would be looking for the, the groomsmen to come. And for whatever reason, in this story, the, groomsmen, the, the bridegroom is delayed. And they fall asleep. They get, they get tired. They, they get drowsy. Uh, and then at midnight, unexpectedly, finally, the, the, they get the... the, the the, the, the notice that he's here. Let's come, let's greet him. And the, and the five bridesmaids with the, the lamp, with the oil, extra oil, go out. But the others say, hey, we don't have enough. Can you share with us? And they say, no, there's not enough. You've got to go, go, you've got to, go to town and get, go, buy some. go buy some. And on their way uh, to buy some, um, the bridegroom does finally arrive. And they're invited into the banquet. And as they come into the, the wedding banquet, the feast, the door is closed. The, the, the five foolish um, bridesmaids come back and, and knock on the door and they say, Lord, Lord, let us in. And the Lord says, truly I tell you, I don't know you. And then the words, um, that's the end of the story really. And Jesus kind of summarizes, therefore keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour that the bridegroom, the Lord, is coming back. Um, powerful story. How, how do we begin to unpack this? Well, I think with... Um this getting ready uh, motif, this getting ready idea, it is easy for us to stop reading at verse 13, but we really have to read the rest of the chapter, at least be somewhat familiar with it to understand what Jesus is talking about. So as in anybody who's teaching something, Jesus is saying, okay, here's what I need you to do. You need to be ready. Well, what it raises is the question that you asked earlier when we were telling our wedding stories. How would you get ready? Yes. What are some of the things that you would do? What are the, some of the things that you'd be looking at in, in your life? And so when Jesus transitions from the ten virgins parable to the talents parable, he's, which is about investing in the kingdom, uh, being faithful to the things that God has given to us, yes. uh, being faithful to the gifts God gives to us for the benefit and glory uh, of the kingdom of heaven. But really the exclamation point comes at the final part of this chapter when he talks about the final judgment. So what we have here is we have an introduction. Uh, the Son of Man is coming. You need to be watching. You need to be investing. And then finally... Here are the things that I'm going to be looking for when I do come. Here's how you will be able to have the door opened unto you. And he tells this tremendous story, which actually came up in my conversation with somebody this past week uh, with regard to prison ministry. Uh, The king will say, this is in verse 34, the king will say to those on his right, come you are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world, for I was hungry. And you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer, truly I say to you, 
as you did it to one yes. of the least of these, you did it to me. Yes. And I think what is powerful in all of the, the whole of this teaching and the two parables, you said it earlier before we started recording, it's about relationships. Yes. Relationships with Christ that inform our relationship with each other. Yes. One of the things that Pastor Joe and I fleshed out uh, as we were preparing for Flesh, this, Fleshed or flushed? Whatever. Okay. Yeah, it's your toilet upstairs, not mine. <laughs> yeah. i got to um, fix it right after you, this. You, I'm going to check with you okay. next week. It's Sarah's toilet. She just came home, so go ahead. I'm, I hope Sarah's watching right now so that she knows that. <laughs> yes. The, uh, the, where was I on this? You got me I, off. Can, can, I, can I interject? Yeah, go ahead. Um, in, in my mind's eye, when we meet the Heavenly Father, um, God's going to ask us two questions. What did you do with the gifts that I gave you? Did, did you invest in them in yourself? Did you use them selfishly or did you share them? And, and not just financial gifts, but emotional, spiritual, helping your neighbor type gifts. I mean, that's the first question. What did you do with the gifts I gave you? And then the second will be, what did, you, what did you do with my son, with Jesus? Did you accept him? Did you reject him? And, and I think that's, that's some of what this story is about. It, were we ready to answer those two questions? You know, when, when we meet Jesus face to face, are we ready to meet to answer those questions? What did you do with the gifts I gave you? And what did you do with Jesus? What, did you accept or reject? That, that, that's, that's, I particularly can resonate with the second one. Because if you're not careful when you read this passage, it can become a passage of works righteousness. Mm -hmm. That is, is that in order to get into the kingdom, I have to do these things. Yes. And I think one of the poignant things that helps push against that that potential of what I think is a false interpretation is when Jesus, when the king, in verses 31 and following, says, you visited me, you clothed the naked, you did all that. But notice, they didn't know, they didn't know that they did that. Right. Yeah, they're saying, when did we do that? When did we do that? Yes. Their intention, and, and this is what's important, their intention, which gets to your point about what did you do with Jesus, their intention was simply to respond. Love, it, love my neighbor. As Jesus had told them, which yes. is going to come up in a few weeks. Yes. Their, their intention was to simply respond, not so that they could earn something, but so that they would return to the one who had given them so much, the same that he had given to yes. them. It was a, it's a response. And the, 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 the urgency, the desire, the drive to invest wasn't so that the king would be happy with us, the landowner would be happy with us, but because he had trusted us with us. It, yes. it was a response of the trust. Yes. He's given us these gifts. He's given us these financial yes. resources. He's given us this time. And, and, and when, when, when people trust you with things, you know, when your employer trusts you with a task, when, when your parents trust you with a chore, uh, you know, th there's within us a desire to, to be worthy of that, to respond in, 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 in the fullness of what you can do to do the best job that you can do for the glory of the one who trusted you. And, and the same thing is here with these texts. And I think that uh, when Jesus says, because uh, he, he continues on in the verses following 31, when you don't do it to the least of these, you didn't do it to me. And, right. and there, there is the temptation in many Christians to be so heavenly minded, we're no earthly good. Right. Oh, that's powerful. That's powerful. Can, can I share earlier in Matthew's gospel? This is Matthew 25, 
24, 25 following. But this is from Matthew early on, chapter 7. And this is, these are Jesus' words. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, just like the, the, the five foolish virgins mm-hmm. said at the door, Lord, Lord, let us in. Jesus is saying this bef- way before that. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform any miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me. I think that the powerful uh, point within that text, we talked about that earlier as well, is, is, is that the intention or the motivation of those was to prove themselves worthy. And it wasn't a surrender. It wasn't an abandonment of their own flesh, their desires to fulfill what God's calling them to, but it was a way to show themselves worthy. And when, when we come to the gospel, when we come to Christ, and the, the, the goal is not to just do certain things to check off the box, to show that we have a right to enter into the kingdom of God, but it's a transformation of who we are to transformation of our hearts, to transformation of our desires. The, the person who serves others begrudgingly is not serving. Right. The person who is generous, hoping to get something in return for it, is not really giving. It, that's the person who has come unprepared. Yes. That's the bridesmaid who has come expecting someone else uh, to provide them the oil that they need. Yes, yes. I wonder, I wonder how this, how do we see this uh, in our present day pandemic, thinking about our life together as a church, our life together as a nation, our life together as a globe. Um, I think one of the most, you know, all things work together for good for those who love and trust the Lord and are called according to his purpose uh, Apostle Paul says. The I, I penciled in eventually. In eventually, mind. that's right. <laughs> This is, this is something that has affected everyone, regardless of, of, yes. of uh, wealth, regardless of power, regardless of religion, regardless of ethnicity. Yes. This is something that has plagued the entire globe. Well, and, and, and for me, Pastor Ike, um, I, I think at some very earthy level, I like to be in control. And this whole pandemic thing has shaken all of us control freaks. It has shaken that and said, you're not... You're not in control. And I think that's the way God is using it for his glory, reminding us that we're not in control. And, and maybe these uh, ten, five foolish virgins thought they were in control and thought they could at least manipulate the wise virgins to give them some oil to, to use in their lamps. But I think God is saying, I'm in control. Have you submitted to me? Have, are you willing to trust me um, on the journey? And, you know, for, for me, I, I think... Um, church was running along pretty smoothly in mid-March. I, th- I think we were kind of going up on the, on the, on the uptake, and things changed. In the middle of March, things changed dramatically. You know, they talk about a door shutting here. The doors shut here mm-hmm. that, that the, the weekend um, 15th of, of March. Uh, we haven't had the doors open to everyone yet since. And I think in some ways, we are, we are the bridesmaids also waiting for what God is going to bring out of this. And there are some of us who are just simply waiting for this to be over. We're just trying to get by. 
we're just trying to hold on until this is over, thinking that everything is going to return to the way it was before. And in many ways, I would probably put those folks, uh, I know this is going to be sound, sound harsh, but with, with, with those brides, uh, bridesmaids who didn't come prepared. You know, it seems to, it, it reminds me of, of, the, of the guy who buried the talent rather than invested it. Yes, thought it was safe. So, uh, Played just, it safe. I'm just going to play it safe. I'm just going to, we're yes. just going to buy our time. I'm going to, I'm going to go into a holding pattern. And, you know, we don't know how much longer this is going to go. I mean, the, the congregations all over the world, all over yes. the nation, are trying to figure out what's the best way to go forward. Everybody has their opinions. But the truth of the matter is, is just because uh, certain things have been forced upon us uh, doesn't mean that God's still not at work. And what are some ways that we can be watching and be ready and not just waiting? Waiting with empty lamps. Waiting for this to be over. What are, I mean... With regard to our, our families, I mean, there was a time when the, our families enjoyed the support of the church and the children's ministries, but they don't have that now. And, and, and we can grieve that, we can bemoan that, but the, but the truth is, is, is that our children still need discipled. Our children still yes. need to know Christ. There are people that are hurting more than they've ever hurt before that has crossed economic lines. There, there is unrest in our, in our country and throughout the world uh, on issues of equity and, and race and gender. God is calling His people to not just sit and wait for His coming, but to be prepared, to be actively investing, verses 14 through 30, yes. and to be at the work of the kingdom, yes. of ministering and proclaiming the good news to the hungry the thirsty, uh, the stranger, the sick, the imprisoned. And, and it, it is easy to fall into this temptation of simply saying, well, this isn't how I have experienced or known church, and so I'm just going to sit and wait until it goes back to the way I, I, I recognize it. And the truth is, it may not come back that way. Mm-hmm. Life may not come back that way. And this is an opportunity. It's an opportunity not simply to just wait, but to be ready. To be ready to meet not the day when the church comes back, but to meet tomorrow in the midst of this pandemic. And, and that's a real challenge because for both of us, we've, all, we, we've been saying to each other, well, how do we do that? Right, right. And you have continued to drive home Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Yes. As you. a way yes. of finding God's presence in the midst of this waiting. Well, it, it was a text that early on in this pandemic that, we, that you touched on. We, we touched on it as a church. Matter of fact, it was the last time we did this, this co-sermon. Yes, yes, yes. Well, and the text is they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, communion, and to prayer. And I think if we... Maybe that's the challenge for us as, as a people to be ready. We need to be focusing on those four things. And I think if, if we're missing it in our, in our live streaming of church, we need to somehow up our game. Because I, I think to me, Pastor Ike, it is easy for me to watch us on TV, watch us on the computer screen. It, it, is, it is tougher for me to engage in it. 
And when we did church live, when we filled this sanctuary, we engaged people. People, you know, they sang, they prayed, they, they came to the communion table. Um, we, we loved on each other before and after the service. It's harder to do that now. It's harder to stay engaged. It's, it's easier to just kind of watch TV and, and almost check out as we're watching, not engage. And I think part of our challenge is to engage our people into, into ministry during this time. And I think the other part of the challenge is, is to encourage you, brothers and sisters, to be engaged in your neighborhoods. Yes. Maybe, and I'm not saying this declaratively, but maybe this is a way that God is trying to shake up or, according to our text here, wake up yes. his church and to see the church and to see the people of God, to see the kingdom of heaven as something that transcends a building or four walls or an event that happens on Sunday morning, something that claims every moment of our day and our life, that no longer are we a people who attend church, but we are the church in the world and in the community. Pastor Joe asked a question just a little bit ago about the two things that he thinks uh, we will be asked on that great day of reckoning that Jesus talks about in chapter 25, verse 31. What have you done with the gifts that I've given to you and what you have you done with my son? And that's a question that we want to remind you of and to invite you to consider, to think about that this day. What will you do with Jesus? This is the question for you in this moment. Will you, do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and have you accepted him as your Lord and Savior? You heard earlier a little snippet of how that radically changed Pastor Joe's life and that is of, of his wife. You heard about how my own family has invested uh, themselves into not just a task, but the work of the church. And we want to invite you to invest your life into the greatest truth of all. And that is, God loved you so much that he sent his only son to redeem you on the cross and to give you the promise of eternal life. If you've made that decision today, will you click the box that's over in the column, in the chat column, that you've accepted or rededicated your life to Christ? If you're watching or listening to us on one of our other platforms, would you email us at office at southsuburban.com? Over 82 people over the past 17 weeks have made that decision, and we give glory to God, and we celebrate with them, and we look forward to the work that God is doing as we seek to invest our gifts into the glory of God, as we seek to make sure that our lamps are filled and ready, as we seek to be ready when the King comes. Will you join us? Will you pray with us? Pastor Joe, would you pray? Sure. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, just thank you for this time um, of worship together. And Lord, I know we've extended an invitation for folks to come to the church this day for communion. And Lord, I pray that they will, um, they will, they will be stirred to do that. And Lord, I think part of this message is, um, hits home with all of us, because all of us have been foolish at times with our time, with our talents, with loving on this Jesus. And Lord, I pray that, um, that we will submit yet again to you acknowledging that you are our Savior, you are our Lord. And Lord, just be with us as we, work, we walk forward into these next days and weeks during this time. And Lord, help us not to be afraid. Help us to trust you in all that we do. We pray these things in your Son, Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.